0: Welcome into Bearcat Rewind. Hope everyone is doing well. we got a couple-week hiatus, but we are back in full force. Episode number 55 of the podcast today, and we're joined by Northwest Missouri State Head Men's Basketball Coach Ben McCollum. Of course, it's a crazy season right now, COVID-19 going on, but we're not even really going down that road today. We've got so much more to talk about with Coach Mac. He's in his 12th season at Northwest, a two-time national champion with the Bearcats, numerous Coach of the Year awards, a record seven straight MIAA regular season titles, and five straight conference tournament championships. He's one of the best coaches in the country, regardless of the level. And he took some time to talk with us today about his background, his philosophies, and much more. So you'll enjoy this podcast coming up here today. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And also from Clarinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clarindahealth.com. Our conversation with Ben McCollum highlights his upbringing and what molded him into the person he is today, his relentless drive as a player and now a coach, and also the sport that he actually excelled at more than basketball. Let's dive into this week's episode of Bearcat Rewind. Today we're joined by Northwest Missouri State Head Men's Basketball Coach Ben McCollum on the podcast. And Coach, I know we've kind of gone back and forth a few times about possibly getting you here on Bearcat Rewind. And we're coming up on the holidays. We wanted to get a heavy hitter here heading into uh, December 25th of the week prior. Uh, Zach Schneider was taken, so we decided to try to get you on the phone as well. So we appreciate you coming on talking with us.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say you couldn't get Mark Rosewell on here.
0: Um, <laughs> Rosie's all, been on all before, saying. you know. <laughs> He's done That's, his time.
1: You got a. Heavy, I don't know if you got a heavy hitter, but, um, but I, I'm I'm glad to be on here with you.
0: Well, I've got a few bones to pick with you. Um, you know, some things just diving into who Ben McCollum is, but then also just a couple of other issues. Like, uh, for instance, we're going to start you off here. Um, March 2019, the Kansas City Star comes up to your office, and Sam McDowell sits down, and it ended up being a really good read. But as he sits down and comes into your office, you're watching game tape. You're you're drinking some coffee and listening to Ed Sheeran. I'm just curious why he couldn't put on you know um, some Guns N' Roses or, or a little different music. But you're listening to Ed Sheeran to watch game tape before getting interviewed by the Kansas City Star.
1: Yeah, you know, I, with with me, I think that um, it's not Ed Sheeran isn't necessarily my favorite artist. When I watch film it's almost like you're in the game and you get that intense feeling every time you're trying to figure out your opponent and you become obsessed with finding that answer. And so the best way to calm those nerves is with calming music because <laughs> otherwise your heart literally jumps out of your chest when you're, you're sitting there trying to scout and figure it out. And then once you figure it out, then it feels it feels pretty good, but um, that would explain why I listen to a little bit calmer music when I'm when I'm doing my scouts.
0: So he's not number one on the list, but he's pretty high up there.
1: Yeah, you know, now it's more like meditation music. That that would be more just the calming music, just anything to keep you calm and focused, and 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 you know, not too intense when you're just sitting there in front of your computer screen.
0: And so, and I've heard you talk about it before a little bit, but. You get into it, and, and you're very involved watching that game tape, but you're a guy that really enjoys the practice and the preparations and, and working with the student-athletes. And, and the games are great, and it's, it's fun to win, but you really enjoy that one-on-one time and that preparation going into a game, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think practice is probably my favorite time, just trying to make kids better. Um, and then those relationships is, is by far and away my favorite part of of being a coach. I, I think games become results you know it's just that's just the result of all the work that you've put in and and that's also the external piece that applies a lot of pressure to coaches i think the coaches that excel uh a lot of times really focus on all the process piece and and don't necessarily love um they they love the games but but not like they love practice and and the daily relationships the daily conversations um, working through adversity, working through success, all those different things, that's that's by far and away um, you know, my favorite part of it.
0: Is it hard whenever you have certain kids come in and, and they're freshmen in and, and college after wrapping up their senior year in high school and they have a coach in high school that they just want to drill them to death and sit there and kind of stand on the floor and talk about things and not just let them get up and down? And so practice isn't as fun because they associate it with just Running and doing just certain drills, whereas then you come to Northwest and it's a lot of scrimmaging. Practice is fun; it's loose, and it's just as long as that energy and effort is there, you're going to have fun and earn that playing time.
1: Yeah, I think I think our preseason really gets them acclimated. Our, our preseason is excruciatingly different when are difficult when we do conditioning and, and weights, and, and it's combined together and really try to challenge their mental. But Help them understand why we're doing that, and and then try to keep some of those things that a lot in a lot of programs are miserable. Try to keep those fun for the guys, uh, well as fun as they can be. And then, practice wise, yeah, we we scrimmage quite a bit, especially early, because we want to see what we have and try to find each each individual strengths, and eventually try to um, mold our team around the individual strengths of our of our of our guys. And that's why you'll see halfway through a, a season, we start to really hit our stride offensively in particular. It, it just takes a little time to get everybody on the same page in regards to a flow offensively. But once you get there towards the end of the season, then they can just play by themselves and they don't demand as much play calling or what I call joysticking um, throughout a game.
0: Whenever you look at your career coming up, you were coached by Steve Tatmeyer. that worked with him as a GA at Northwest Missouri State. You work under David Moe at Emporia State. I mean, you've had guys on the sideline with you. Bryson Williams is in the NBA. Austin Meyer has his own program. Uh, Zach Schneider is one of the up-and-coming assistants in college basketball. So you've had a lot of good minds around you and great coaches. But what role in your life did your mom play to get you to this point of – being successful and that drive and some of that intensity to to not just settle for being okay.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that started when I was when I was fairly young. Um, just a belief, and I'm not sure to this day how it was done necessarily, but I always had a belief in myself that you could accomplish really anything. And I, I know it sounds pretty cliche, but even to this day, you genuinely, genuinely um, believe that. And, and yeah, all of that, a lot of that came from, from, from my mom. And she, you know, she's just a fighter. She's, she obviously graduated law school. She's a judge right now, um, raised kids um, until obviously she, she got remarried um, by herself. And, and you know, worked hard at that and and then worked hard at making sure that we had everything, worked hard at making sure that we were competitive and and fought for the things that we wanted. And, and, um, you know, that's what she is. She's just a fighter. And so that's that's what she put on me and, and made sure that I was a fighter as well and competitive. The big thing that I will say that probably is different even in today's day and age is whenever I didn't, get something that I totally wanted or playing time that I wanted or et cetera, it was always, I would go there and, and it would always be, well, it's your fault. And she would never allow me to take the victim's role, regardless of if it was my fault or not. It was always, what can you do to now fix it? So make sure that you do not give your control over this situation away um, and just say, well, the coach sucks, well, this sucks, well, this this isn't good, and, and and making sure that you own those things, and a lot of times that allows you to be empowered and, and um, maintain the control that you currently have.
0: I've heard you talk a little bit about it in some previous podcasts as well, and there was a time where you were considering leaving Northwest Missouri State and leaving the coaching industry altogether?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that was, that was probably the darkest moments, one of the darkest moments, you know, just, just, um, I think that as we were, we're trying to build the program, uh, the extreme amount of stress and the extreme amount of external pressure, uh, gets to a point where you start to second guess whether you should be in that profession or not. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, 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 again, yeah. And and I think the story is well-documented to call my mother and, she got me straightened back out and, and understood that a lot of the things that were going on in the program and the reasons why we weren't winning were very self-inflicted from me, from from the the head coach the, who's supposed to be the leader of the program. And I corrected c- quite a few of those things within myself and, and eventually um, the program corrected itself and the rest is history. We were able to sustain success and, and keep going. But uh, there was definitely a point where Uh, I wasn't sure that this profession was for me necessarily, and (laughs) I mean, when you, I think we lost like seven or eight in a row or something like that, my second season, and and uh, I I always say this to to younger coaches, the, the coaches that come into the profession and finish second, third, fourth, and do above average, what I say would do good right away. I think they have the most trouble winning an actual championship because they think that good is good enough. And so for me to hit rock bottom for two straight seasons allowed us to really focus on getting better and, and forced us to make sure that we tried to achieve great. And uh, I think that's what we've done at this point in this program.
0: And over the last five years, including just a few games this year, 134-6, and six, um, pretty good over the last five seasons. And I think anybody that's seen you coach or, or hear you talking about watching game tape, your practice, you're pretty relentless. And that was something that was you know apparent when you were a student-athlete as well. And, and one story that I didn't hear until like last year was there was a practice that you were sick and got an IV before practice whenever you were a student-athlete and then came back around later and still made it out there and the coaching staff didn't even know you were at the hospital.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a heck of a deal. I, I I don't know if I had the flu or if I was food poisoning or whatever. And I guess the night before, um, it was probably about midnight. I I started throwing up, and you know, all everything. i was sick as it could be. And uh, oh, about six a.m., I could not stop throwing. Up. I mean, it was just relentless, and it was it was to the point where I had to get it stopped somehow, some way, and so. I ended up going to the ER and checking myself in. I, didn't, I don't even think I told my parents. Um, just went to the ER, checked myself in. I had my insurance card. I got an IV. Uh, they got it stopped, I think, by about 10 or 11. And then um, I didn't want to miss practice. So, I, yeah, I didn't tell the coaches. And then practiced. And, you know, about three days later, Coach Tapp called me in or asked me, he said, did you go to the hospital the other day? Because our, our they told our trainers that you were at the hospital, and I said, "Yeah, I said I just had some issues throwing up or whatnot." But yeah, I ended up going to practice. I, I don't think I practiced overly well, but I made <laughs> it, and uh, um, no one else got sick. So it was probably some type of feet poisoning or something.
0: Probably lucky you didn't pass out at practice, getting up and down. Yeah, and no, running. the going.
1: IV helped. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's so. what I. You know, it's, and, and I, you know, now it, with during a pandemic, can't really condone that, but. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was, you know, that's just what you did. You know, I think that's 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 what you did is is you kind of fought through some of those things, and um, again, you showed up to work, and I guess they say you got your hard hat on and you were ready to go, and um, you know, there's there's it was just, and that goes back to kind of my mother's philosophy of of making sure that you don't have a victim mentality, um, where you know. I, just making sure that you own everything. Yes, this happened to me, but now how am I gonna to respond to that? And and try to respond to that appropriately without worrying so much about what actually happened to you.
0: Did Coach Tapmeyer look at you like, man, this guy's tough or this guy's crazy?
1: Uh, he probably already knew I was half crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he already knew that. I don't think he was ever concerned with with those types of things. So, no, Taft had a lot of tough players, and he brought it out in people. You know, I think, I think him and Vord and, um, you know, the GAs did a great job of, of recruiting kids that were tough. And, and so when you, when you came there, that was the expectation was toughness. And, and, and it's not necessarily toughness in, hey, I'm going to fight you, hey, I'm going to get physical with you, that sort of thing. It's, it's the mental approach that makes somebody tough. And, 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 you know, again, not showing emotion, stuff like that, that's not necessarily toughness. Um, but what we say is is just being able to handle some of those feelings that you feel and own them and then figure out a way to, to address them and, and make it turn into a positive. And that's that's toughness. Toughness isn't, ah, this guy never cries. Ah, this guy never does. That's not toughness. That's fake tough. Um, toughness is, yeah, this guy does cry, but then he figures out how to – how to fix this problem rather than remaining a victim consistently
0: so you guys recruit tough players you recruit winners guys that are obviously great on the basketball court but then they come to northwest missouri state how do you kind of gear them up for that that service to community that service leadership aspect that uh, really does play a role in the northwest men's basketball program
1: yeah that's that's tough because we want to make sure that we want for the success of each other more than you want for the success of yourself. I think in today's day and age, it becomes more and more difficult, simply because of of social media and the attention of of individuals and the ability to. I always say with social media, it's 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 the ability to, to to leverage very little success and make it seem like it's extreme success and for our kids it becomes even more difficult because they aren't into individual success but yet they see um other places other programs other people that talk about their individual success a lot and so over time it becomes like well geez well these guys are doing this well so are you we just don't we just don't probably uh put it out there as much so we try to keep that attention on that humility on that. Hey, you know, this program's bigger than you. Um, you're only as good as, as what you give and, and kind of just maintain that mentality throughout. And it's, it's becoming more and more difficult. Our, our kids do a great job of it. Um, but again, we, we try to emphasize it every day.
0: So you've been at Northwest since 2009 back as a head coach. Um, And during that time, obviously, life has changed a lot from growing a national championship program and perennial being on top, but also family-wise. How did life for you change once you became a father Then, um, now three children and growing up here in Maryville? I mean, does that kind of change the way that you go into a practice, view games, and even view losses?
1: Not really, no. Um, Not a ton. I, I think the big thing is making sure that you... Like, I remember we went to... Oh, oh! the national title game. Uh, the first national title game in 2017. And we were going to the game, and I could just feel the intensity and the massive amount of stress on a family. You know, is dad going to win? Is he going to lose? And <laughs> if he loses, is he a bad person? This is on national TV, et cetera, et cetera, because a lot of people can associate you with the amount of success that you have as a basketball coach. And so before the game, I think I told my wife and and told my kids, and I just said, Hey, if, if we, if we lose, I'm going to be okay. Like I'm (laughs) going to survive. We're going to move on and everything's going to be okay. Obviously we don't want to lose, but you know, you just have to make sure that your kids understand that, that you'll be okay, even though you put so much into it. um, And and so much into each game and, and each kid. And so, Making sure that they understand that, um, you know, it's hard because naturally you become fairly obsessed with being successful, and, and that's what makes you successful, but if you don't achieve the external success that everybody else wants you to to, to attain, um, you have to understand that you're still a good person, and that, that's the hardest thing to do for any athlete that, that has a lot of success.
0: If you're out in the community in Maryville, if you're at High V at Walmart, heck, in St. Joe, probably anywhere there, a lot of people will see Ben McComb and know who he is, want to come up and chat even with the family there. Whenever you walk in and you're behind closed doors and you're at your house, I mean, is it just kind of, is it a freeing feeling to be able to step away from all that just to be sitting there with your family?
1: Yeah, because I, I don't view myself like people would view me from the external. So I don't, I think from an external standpoint, people would view me differently than how I actually view myself. And my, my family certainly doesn't view me <laughs> how, <laughs> how I might be viewed elsewhere. You know, i like coach of the year stuff like that. That doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't, I certainly am humbled by it, but it, it, it doesn't mean I'm a better person because I have those things because we've won these things. It, it doesn't make me a better person at all. And, and, so for me I love being around my family. That's you know family and closest friends is kind of my thing. Um but I, I just when I go in the community I don't view myself like others may may view me and, and uh, I never will. So yeah, when I come home it's great cuz I get put in my place, my wife. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how many games I win. It's it's uh well you've got <laughs> you've got duties here so um so i i get put in my place quick and then my kids still talk back to me just as much as any any family would and i've got fantastic kids and my wife or my my daughter still runs the entire family so anything that she says goes um so i am the furthest thing from the boss of this family
0: <laughs> those rings don't win out on movie night do they what's that those rings don't win out on movie night
1: No, they don't win anything at at home. (laughs) They they (laughs) they do an unbelievable job of supporting this profession. I will say that it's not even. I I don't think anybody realizes what a coach's wife does. I I don't think that uh, they get anywhere near the credit because they have to put a lot of what they want second during the season, and it is, and they get zero credit for it. You know, I, I mean. They're putting just as much into this profession as I am. It, a lot of theirs is more sacrifice, and, and they don't get any of the if, – if my wife doesn't sacrifice like she does, I don't invest as much into those student-athletes. I don't invest as much into our basketball program. And the sacrifices that she makes and my kids have to make uh, pay just as much dividends as, as the sacrifices that I make to help our
0: student-athletes. All right, Coach, i got just a few more quick ones just to wrap up for you, then I'll let you go. Appreciate you coming on taking some time with me uh, this week I to I thought chat. this was
1: going to be a two-hour deal. I thought, this, I, thought we were, I, actually, I thought we were in it for the long haul. I
0: have more on my sheet in front of me, but I feel like you know, 15 to 20 is probably where we want to be. I don't want to give you too much on your week off.
1: I got you, I got you. Yeah, because yeah, I've, I've got, yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any time right
0: now, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make this a three-parter. Okay, so, a couple of years ago, you went into the Storm Lake St. Mary's High School Hall of Fame. School record holder in the 400 meters, competed in a state track meet, you were first team all-conference in baseball with a four forty three batting average. Was basketball always the direction you were going?
1: Yeah, because I loved basketball a little bit more. I think baseball. I was probably, especially by my senior year, I probably got to where I I might have even been a better better prospect. I wasn't recruited necessarily a ton for baseball, um, but I loved baseball. Um, but yeah, basketball was always always my thing. Even during baseball season, I would be in the gym every morning, making sure that I got my basketball workout in. So. Basketball was was always was always what I wanted to do.
0: Were you a shortstop, second baseman?
1: I was a shortstop, pitcher. I could play anywhere. I liked all positions, but that would probably be my my main positions. My senior year, I moved around a bunch based on who was pitching. So I, I, just because I could play a lot of different positions and enjoyed it, but yeah, shortstop would be my number one spot. And and I don't if you've ever seen the Maryville uh, City League. You know, you'd know you'd know the the shortstop prowess just from softball, slow pitch softball.
0: Well, it's so funny, pretty high level stuff. You mentioned that because Colin McDonough in the Northwest Athletic Department gave me a note about uh, that softball team. Said you could play all over the field, but uh, your best position was catcher at slow pitch softball. <laughs> the right speed was behind home plate.
1: I think he was talking about himself. I don't
0: know. <laughs> He's a Gold Glove second I baseman.
1: I, I tell you what. Um, if you ever want to see a lefty second baseman turn two, because <laughs> Colin is a, is a lefty, and so I'm the shortstop, of Colin's the second baseman, and uh, you know we'll get hard. It's, it, it's they hit it pretty hard in slow pitch, and there's actually some pretty good teams. I know it sounds funny, but it's true. And so I'll get a hard ball, and he'll try to turn two as a lefty second baseman. I mean, the, the gracefulness of of Colin McDonough at second at second base is amazing. So. Um, if you want to see a show, come out and see the uh, Rogers Pharmacy at at, uh, at the uh, slow pitch softball deal.
0: He's like a young Chase Utley out there.
1: That yeah, that's what I would consider. I I'd go back to like a Ryan Sandberg type. Okay. Yeah. All right. That would be more. That was what I grew up. WGN. I don't know if you know anything about that, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I I kind of hate the Cubs, so I'd be more lean toward watching the Braves on TBS if the Cardinals weren't on.
1: Gotcha. You and Coach Churchman.
0: Well, and I'm not saying I'm a Braves fan, but I just don't like the Cubs. That's all.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> Throw out a podcast recommendation, a book recommendation. I know you're you're a well-educated person, obviously, but you're always finding ways to learn more. What's a recommendation for some of our listeners?
1: My favorite podcast station is The Learning Leader, and then I really enjoy those. Uh, all of them are good on there. Uh, there's specific ones, but you, know, you can kind of sift through them and, and see – Probably one of my favorite books that's that's good is uh, called Essentialism. Um, it's fantastic! It just talks about keeping keeping the essential things first, and and almost every time you do some type of activity or, or do anything, it's always is this actually essential to making my life and other people's lives better? And and I think you'll find a lot of things in your life aren't very essential, but you think they are. And and so that book kind of defines
0: that as a fantastic read. Are you gonna be reading uh the new McConaughey book, Green Lights? I know you're a big fan.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Uh that's a good question. I, I might. I, I you know, I, I it just depends if I'm in like the kind of leadership books type of mode or or not. I, I think I like a lot of depth to my books. I think early on I would le- read more of like the the kind of surface, I guess, I'd call them leadership books, and now I like to add some depth and philosophy to it, and you know, stuff that probably people thinks weird. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more my style now.
0: Well, he, the learning leader, and, it's, and I've listened to a couple; they're really good. I assume if you want something lighter, you you usually turn to Bearcat Rewind.
1: That's all I listen to. I mean, <laughs> if I can hear your voice over the radio, that's that's fantastic, or on a podcast. So. Yeah. no <laughs> no that's it's a good one you guys do a great job i've always thought that and obviously john
0: and, hey i'm um, not shooting i'm not looking for any uh any compliments here i'm just you know just seeing if you're listening that's all
1: I, I wouldn't give you a fake compliment you oh know come on that. You, this i'm the last person in the world that would say something that i don't mean so <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about that okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh last one for you it's a hard one uh who would you say is probably your most famous twitter follower that's following Twitter you. Twitter follower. That's following Jeez,
1: you. I have no idea. Sure uh, you, just, I, you. don't I, check I the m- don't,
0: notifications and be like, "Oh wow, there's Charles Barclayer, You know.
1: I I don't know. I, I guess I've never really looked at it. I you know I'm just not into. I'm not real into it, so I, I guess I don't know. It's 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 one of those things that I'm I'm probably bad at, but uh, you know I try to I I've, I deleted off my apps on my phone so that i don't look or scroll through twitter or facebook all that stuff i still do it just for my job but i what i do is i just log on through the internet and and (laughs) and look at it through there so i that's a very cool way of doing it it doesn't it it doesn't do it for me that's just not my Do you know who it is
0: i don't i thought you might know because i was thinking about going with who's the most famous person in your cell phone but i don't want to be too invasive you know.
1: Oh, that that one doesn't matter. I, I could do that one. All right,
0: what's that, <laughs> that one? one?
1: That that one would probably be. I would think Billy Donovan would probably be the most most famous one. That's I would pretty guess. good. Um, but I'm sure as heck never gonna. You don't even let people look at that name or number because <laughs> if you ever want a number like that again, you you just make damn sure that no one knows.
0: Is it under? Is it coded in your phone? No. Like Domino's Pizza is Billy Donovan.
1: No, they won't. They won't. Uh, no, no, <laughs> not coded, not coded. But no one goes through my phone because no one can figure out my password, other than my kids. So they might call them every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. FaceTime.
0: Just to get a Christmas gift ideas, that sort of thing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I was I was going to let you know that uh, my famous Twitter follower would probably be you, but I don't have that follow on Twitter, so I guess it's Justin Sampson instead. So.
1: <laughs> justin my man yeah i i do i not follow you on twitter
0: no but it's kind of a fun running joke at this point that somehow you always you forget want Me to
1: follow you on twitter
0: no i prefer to tell people that i can't even get it so <laughs> i we're all I, reaching you know, for goals that, we can't achieve now you know
1: the reason why though i just
0: <laughs> oh i i, I, I don't know don't the reason attention
1: is. it's it's one of those things that Again, what I'm, I'm not anti-social media because I think there's a lot of benefits to it. I think though we've gotten to a point where it's it's really impacting the 18 to 22 year olds, even the high school kids, in a negative way because of the pictures that you can paint. You know, the deceit that you can paint as though you're having this kind of success or as though this is truth, and a lot of people won't go past what they read on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and just assume that it's it's reality and it's truth. And it makes it really difficult then to be unselfish, um, to be humble, those kind of things, because a lot of times the humble, unselfish person doesn't necessarily get that marketing that that they probably deserve. And so uh, not to go in too much depth, but that's probably why I'm somewhat... Not totally anti-social media, but there's a level that it's like, man, you just have to make sure that you're careful so that kids don't get their, don't get their confidence from you know, a few likes on, on Twitter from people that don't necessarily care, care about them anyway, you know? and so um, helping, helping your players understand that is, is something that we
0: always try to do. And it's an even worse place to be during a pandemic with nothing else going on, too.
1: But. Oh, it's it's excruciatingly difficult. It's 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 and it's something that I don't think probably people talk about enough is just helping kids understand that you know there's five or six people in your life that um, really really care about you on a deep level and make sure that you please them and if you please them and 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 have a great relationship with them then then that's all you need and and all these these I guess. Uh, you know, the love that you would receive from 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 social media or from other people, That that isn't true love. And so make sure that they understand that. It doesn't mean that people on social media don't like you and stuff like that. I think it's great. I think that sending positive messages through social media is fantastic because it does help people. But thinking that somebody likes you because they like a few things on your, on your social media um, doesn't really give you a true sense of confidence and and you know, that's what I want our kids, our players to understand when they leave our program that um, what true love is and, and who really loves you and who really wants your success and, and who who doesn't and, and gain confidence from the people that, that really genuinely
0: want for your success. See that we bring it back around with a good note to end on, so Yeah, no, really... you
1: can always get deep with with you know, that's that's one of those deals that we probably should do it face to face one at some point. Then we could get really deep.
0: Well, you didn't want to come to Wells Hall for it, you know, during the pandemic. <laughs> <don't> so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then and we could get John involved.
0: Oh yeah, well, yep. we've had some good good ones with John of kind of getting people flustered, and got you you and Sundance on there at the same time was fun. So, yep. Well, but yep. if, if we have you and Will Martin, will it be as wild as you and Sundance?
1: Uh, probably not as wild. Uh, me and Sonny would get pretty wild. <laughs> it did get pretty wild. That's yes, right. it did. I just talked to him last night, as a matter of fact. So Yeah, he's, uh, he's 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 living the dream. So, no, that would be that would still be a quality interview. Just, to, I mean, a lot of it is him. Though. He's
0: he's fantastic with his with his interviews. You could say he brings the juice.
1: Yes, he does. He does bring the juice.
0: So <laughs> that that's that's important. Yes. <laughs> Coach Mack, appreciate the time. Always good to talk with you. Uh, Enjoy your holiday, and we will see you again on December 31st. All right,
1: Matt. Good to talk to you. Have a good
0: one. Thanks again to Ben McCollum joining us on Bearcat Rewind today. His Northwest men's basketball team is 3-0 on the season. He'll return to action December 31st for a road game against Northeastern State. And next week, we're going off the rails just a bit for a fun, light holiday edition of Bearcat Rewind with Northwest Strength and Conditioning Coach Joe Quinlan and Sports Information Director Colin McDonough, so stay tuned for that. In case you missed some of our previous episodes of Bearcat Rewind, our interviews have included Northwest Missouri State Assistant Football Coach Joel Osborne, Wayne Cavadi of NCAA.com looking ahead at this NCAA men's basketball season, cross-country coach Nick Gibson, and many more. So be sure to check out those episodes of the podcast. Thanks to Northwest Professor Alex Kurt for producing our intro and outro music, and thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.